0: Sea lanes of communications are very vital for for Russia as well in this region. So it's uh, 90% of our trade goes this way. We had 89,000 ships calls uh, to the Swedish ports uh, last year and that's a lot uh, for a nation uh, like Sweden with uh, 10 million inhabitants uh, approximately. 170 million tons of goods and of course the globalization. It's not uh, important only uh, for us back home to be able to uh, protect it in the protect the shipping in the region, also uh, to have the capability to do it somewhere else. Uh, That's uh, equally important. And this is the normal situation in the Baltic Sea. Uh, This is every given moment uh, of uh, shipping. So I would say this is a a perfect uh, ocean for uh, uh, maritime hybrid warfare. Uh, I would say that uh, it is very, very vital for me to have the presence out there and be able to operate all the time, every day of the year uh, in this region, and really focusing on, on um, getting the knowledge. Uh, what, what is out there? Where are they moving? Uh, which direction? Because uh, who is the enemy? Who is, who is the friend? And make sure that we will find the trigger, if there is anyone uh, who, who wants something bad in this uh, uh, event. So this is the last exercise uh, the Russian did um, uh, last week. Uh, so this is just an example of uh, uh, th- where, whereabouts. It's pretty close uh, to the territorial waters. Uh, so, um, uh, but this is uh, uh, the situation in the Baltic. It's, very, uh, it's a lot of traffic. It's a lot of uh, activities. And it's a lot of uh, events uh, ongoing all the time that we need to keep track on, of course, uh, and see what will happen. Just to give you uh, something, uh, well, sometimes people will show you these circles and and the distances of missiles and everything. Uh, I think the most important part might not be the the fact that uh, you have missiles uh, ashore, because the same missiles are put on on board a ship, will make it possible to be wherever you want, uh, in whatever position you want to. Uh, So you can move these circles wherever. And I think. well, people doesn't normally think about that. So uh, uh, I would say if you turn that picture instead and you think that you have this capability on board your ship, it will give you a real advantage because it will get the other, someone else, to think uh, really uh, uh, where are your position and what, what they should do about it instead. And as you see, it's it's very short distances. Uh, it is. Uh, uh, 350 kilometers uh, approximately between Kalskrona uh, that is our naval base in the south and Kaliningrad so it's a, it's very short distances it, it is a real narrow sea uh, but uh, people are talking sometimes that uh, uh, it is possible uh, or it should be possible only to be uh, uh, stationed uh, on land and I would say that is terribly wrong uh, because you need to have the presence out there and really Find the ships that are moving uh, or not moving in the right way, so to say. Uh, so that's of uh, highest importance. So in general, uh, it is a unique and complex environment uh, that we need to handle. Uh, and uh, the civilian civilian side, of course, with all the shipping and including all the military uh, ships uh, in this area, find a friend, uh, the enemy, or Uh, whatever you need to find in there, uh, and really find the the trigger. And to do that, uh, you need to be uh, on station uh, and present uh, out at sea. And of course, with ships, that's a possibility, uh, because uh, uh, you can have the endurance, and you can uh, manage to stay out for a long time. But I also would like to include that it's not only presence, uh, because I would like to have presence with uh, uh, qualified units, uh, with qualified weapons on board as well, because I need to build the threshold uh, so no one really wants to do some harm to us. So I I need to have uh, qualified uh, assets and ships uh, out in that region that really can do uh, effect. I think I stopped there. Thank you.
1: Very good. Perhaps.
2: Okay. Your yeah. Thoughts.
0: Thank. You. Thank you very much. Um, I totally agree to what
2: everything what, what Jens has said. But I would like to take give you a slightly different perspective. Going back to what happened until '89, it was the same sea, and uh, we had we had a situation that was totally different. When you go back, remember the the, the charts of the Baltic Sea. I would say. The first 50, 60 kilometers from the west, and then we started in an area that was totally under the control of the Warsaw Pact or strictly neutral countries in the same Baltic Sea. So at that time, the German Navy was comprising of uh, many, many small combatants. So we, at that time, we had 24 conventional submarines, we had 120 fighter bombers who were multi-role capable. We had. 40 fast patrol boats who were carrying very capable missiles. So we were, at that time, we were the spearhead of NATO in the Baltic, just in order to prevent amphibious forces coming from the east to the west and landing in the Danish Straits and, and cutting, cutting off Schleswig-Holstein from the rest of Europe. And were that, enabling the strategic merge of the northern fleet and the Baltic fleet at that time. So what has changed since 1989? geostrategic and geopolitical situation has changed. Now the Baltic is surrounded by uh, NATO nations, or as in the case of Sweden and Finland, two EU nations who are operating under NATO rules and regulations and are very much aware of of their procedures. What else has changed? We all have had shrinking forces. We cashed into a peace dividend. And so all of what I mentioned, the 40 FPBs are gone. We have no more FPBs in the German Navy. We have no more fighter bomber aircraft in the German Navy. We have reduced our submarines from 24 to 6 now. By the way, they they operate and they sail. It's not as bad as you you might have read in in the newspapers. So we have reduced MCM. And that is true for all the other navies in the region as well. So what we have been doing with regard to cooperation, collaboration is uh, three years, four years ago, 2015, we, we, we invented the so-called Baltic Commanders Conference because we saw a situation where all of us were facing the same challenges. So we said, okay, come, let's come together, let's talk together, then let's find ways how to better collaborate, how to make more out of the little we all have and, and uh, by collaboration. So that is an annual conference that is being that has been uh, conducted twice in Germany. It was in, 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 in Copenhagen last year, this year it was in Lithuania, next year it will be in Sweden. So, and we have working groups underneath the, the uh, chief of, of the fleets or navy heads who are running it in order to work on common doctrinal development, on, on information sharing, on domain <coughs> awareness, on uh, procedures and, and, and all that in order to get a better understanding uh, of the Baltic. Uh, we also have invited Norway. Because Norway, not being a classical Baltic nation, is let's say the nation that combines those those two uh, areas of the Northern Fleet and the, and the Baltic Fleet. One cannot live without the other, and it is, it is still, if we look strategically on the Baltic, it is still important that we have uh, to keep that together. So, um, with regard to the German Navy, we are still focusing on the baltic but we are not limited to the baltic so we are procuring also big ships and now i come to the next step but what has changed since since 2014 that is that we need the us that we need the us for the in this uh, transatlantic link in order to uh, do what you have been doing for us uh, for for many many decades, and you know, I'm, I'm, I was brought up on the inner German border, so I knew, know it ex- exactly, for example, how the Baltic states uh, people are feeling, living so so very close to the perceived threat. So it's important that we have you. Uh, therefore, we have to take care of the of the uh, submarine threat. on the northern flank, in the the North Atlantic Ocean. Uh, And um, I'm really happy that the maritime operational part gets more visibility with the the, uh, headquarters being based on on, uh, American soil in order to really strengthen the ties that we used to have between the US and and Europe. Uh, And uh, when I look back to what has happened in the last 25 or so years, I think the glue that kept NATO together for, 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 for that time until eighty nine has weakened a lot, and the the kind of effectiveness of, of different nations is no, no longer the same. Uh, so we have to strengthen that we have to bring we have to bring all together nobody can do it alone everybody needs everybody in order to, to really collaborate and with that I would leave it to you
1: It's great well I, I, yeah I think the, the first thing and probably most obvious thing that arises to me from the comments and also from the, the slide in particular that showed the congested nature of the Baltic Sea is the number of different, Um, organizing frameworks, information-wise, operationally, naming just a few of them, of course, at the national level, law enforcement and military. At the um, regional level, there's a variety of arrangements and agreements underway. You have the EU, you have NATO, you have partners to NATO. So uh, particularly for a partner nation like Sweden, you know, in, you have to navigate, if you will forgive the pun, through all these various uh, segments, segmentation of the maritime domain awareness arena. What do you think is most important? Um, in order to unify action and knowledge? in What could we do collectively um, to, to get further through all that fragmentation, given the congested nature of the environment?
0: Well, of course, uh, um, the ground, uh, ground base is uh, trust, uh, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, and I think we have, uh, well, I know we have uh, come very, very long up in, um, uh, in that scale, uh, definitely. Uh, we have, uh, in Sweden, a very close cooperation with Finland. Uh, that's uh, one of the uh, most important uh, corporations that we have. Um, uh, together with Finland, so we exchange data with Finland. Uh, we have a close cooperation regarding situational uh, awareness with them. Uh, but also with the rest of the Baltic states um, uh, through uh, a system called uh, there we where we cha- change information with each other. And that's something that we can uh, uh, I would say, evolve and uh, continue uh, to improve uh, also uh, uh, within the, between the nations, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: You have a sense, Admiral, uh, as a NATO nation, Navy chief, how the alliance is thinking about itself internally in these matters, but also how to reach out beyond the alliance, so to include with partners um, and commercial entities and, and law enforcement.
2: Yeah, thank you. I I think you're totally right. There's a kind of fragmentation that we're having, especially in in agencies that deal with maritime security. When I look into my own country, we have different kind of federal police, we have a state police, all, all on water. We have customs, we have fishery protection, we have all those different agencies working together. And we do. We have, we have a center in the estuary of the River Elbe, which is our maritime security center, where we nationally ha- are sitting all together making decisions, everybody in his own responsibility, but it is being brought together. And I think that is, that is the way how we should come together, that is working in a network of networks. Uh, so we will never we will never manage to have one Baltic, for example, one Baltic maritime domain awareness system. <laughs> But we have different systems because it is again, nations have different aspects that they want to concentrate on, and therefore we have we have to be able and willing to create a network of networks where information can go in and out, not necessarily all of them, but some, uh, and and uh, so what and uh, everybody has to have the understanding, and again here we are that, uh, we are with the trust, what information is necessary to my counterpart to receive in due time in order to give him the right reaction time that he needs to, 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 uh, to fulfill what he has to do with, his, in, in, with regard to responsibilities. And if you again recall that it's from east to west, in the, in the Baltic 380 nautical miles. And there's a number of sovereign nations around. And and we are are cooperating. We are collaborating. We are are exchanging information. You can always be better, no doubt, about that. But we are working on this. Um, So NATO, EU, one thing. I think we fought a relatively long battle and finally succeeded. Single set of forces, single set of procedures. So there's no competition between EU and NATO. It is is really a a, a complementary approach. So the EU navies use uh, NATO standards and procedures. We are using uh, NATO tactics. So in order to really be very clear that we are effective enough on on, on what we are doing. And in order to be even better, if I may say a, a, a last sentence maybe, we are now building up what we call a Baltic Maritime Component Command in Rostock. That uh, is a two-star-led maritime component command, which we, on the long term, will give to NATO as a maritime force structure headquarters, like we have UK or Spanish or Italian Marfro. It will be then also one, one headquarters uh, for, the, for the Baltic, or in the Baltic, for the Baltic, but not, not necessarily for the Baltic. So it can be used wherever needed and wanted. This, this headquarter will have 25 international billets, especially, of course, for, for, uh, for navies from, from the Baltic region in order to enhance this specific regional expertise in different areas on you know, very, very confined and shallow water operations, amphibious operations, and that mine, mine countermeasure. Um, it, is, it is a very specific area, but not, not necessarily. Others are wholeheartedly invited also to come in in order to make sure that the Baltic Sea will remain to be part of the open oceans. That is something very important for us. Is we don't want a similar regime as we have in the Black Sea, which is a kind of mare clausum, with a different regime. The Baltic used to be and has to be for the future part of the open oceans. Therefore, it's also very important to have the US regularly in the, in the Baltic Sea present. Uh, Whether the uh, Baltic Baltops operations, with big exercises, and uh, that that shows that it is the solidarity that, that we have had and that have made us so successful for the last for the last uh, uh, 50 years. Uh, the solidarity: if you attack one, you attack all of us, and, and that is so important also on the maritime domain.
0: May I yes, just please. Add regarding, regarding interoperability, because uh, uh, I would say we have come very, very far uh, regarding mm-hmm. interoperability, and uh, it's, it's no issue whatsoever to meet, meet out at sea and do, uh, conduct an exercise. That's uh, a very simple way, and I also think that's a very good way of using uh, the Navy, uh, because uh, uh, if you start uh, to, to cooperate, uh, you start in international waters and then you w- work your way uh, towards land. Uh, because uh, while well, using the Navy, uh, it's no footprint. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's very easy. You meet out at sea in, in the beginning, and then you can uh, in, in, uh, increase the cooperation, and then uh, you move towards the land. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good way of using Navy.
1: Um, can we talk just to, for a minute, maybe, get your comments on a particular aspect of the challenge set being the, well, it's a combination, uh, the non-emitting Challenge set so the picture you showed before yeah. it might be fair to say shows those uh, uh, vessels that are emitting yeah. um, Of course, we understand yeah. there are vessels for criminal reasons But yeah. also we believe for military reasons who will choose not to Indicate that they're there and maybe related to that so you can talk about how we think about that challenge set and Related to that the undersea challenge set that the sort of the higher-end Likely non-emitting and very quiet problem of, uh, no. No. that can be used for conventional, unconventional, no. or nuclear purposes.
0: Absolutely, um, uh, I would say uh, uh, if we talk about the gray zone or the hybrid warfare. Or, oh, excuse oops. me, that was my um, microphone. <laughs> <laughs> or my. Phone. Uh, uh, regarding the gray zone, because uh, I would say the navy, we work. Um, it's the perfect uh, perfect tool to work uh, from uh, uh, norm. Well from peace uh, up to the high-end warfare. But Navy does, uh, most of it works uh, in the gray zone, definitely, to find the trigger, uh, being out there and be present, uh, to really uh, being able to find those who who is not emitting with the IAS or Mm -hmm. something. And you need to be there, I would say, because you need also to to find that uh, uh, the target, if you say, if you're going towards the high-end warfare. Uh, so someone can transmit transmit that target if you don't handle itself. It, it's a joint uh, joint fight. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, for that,
1: at the high end, then if you will, to the extent yeah. that you think of that as high end, I mean, this is an area where you have collectively we have even less capacity, even less capability. Yeah. Where do we where do we begin to kind of? Rebuild that capability.
0: I would say, from the Swedish perspective, it's uh, 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 one way that uh, I'm looking at. Definitely, is going uh, because we have the we are very good. I would say we, within the stealth and the signature mm. um, um, yes. part uh, with the ships, uh, ships and submarines, the corvettes and the submarines, and that's something I really w- uh, want to continue with. So uh, I would like to continue with the Visby-class system uh, also into the future for the next generation of ships uh, because uh, they are the ones that really will be able to work in that environment. And uh, I can choose if they want to be shown uh, or not. It's also if you want mm-hmm. to send a message or, or not. Uh, and, and the enemy will never know mm-hmm. really where you are. So I think that's a very good concept that I will, would like to continue on. Mm-hmm.
1: And Admiral Krauss, maybe specifically welcome your thoughts on that in general, but on the ASW capability of NATO, and where do you see a uh, challenge and opportunity to build out that capability that used to be um, so very strong for the alliance? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think as a, as a matter of fact, for the last for the last 25, 28 years, we have been occupied in what we call low-end Maritime military operations, so be it, be it uh, refugee operations, be it uh, operations in in, in, the, in the vicinity of the Balkans, be it the operation counter piracy. That is all operations where you not necessarily need a highly trained, skilled, and equipped navy for. So I'm I'm happy that even in, in, in the in the uh, in the times where we had cashed into this peace dividend and where the, and the navy is really. My navy is really shrunk from, from more than 200 units to 51 units now. Uh, that we always kept the level for the training on the high end warfighting and, and the equipment. And we are currently facing what it means when you, what what it means if you haven't invested continuously into your into your technological. The capabilities, it needs a lot of time to really revert this trend downwards into a positive one. So equipment-wise and training-wise, I think we are there. We had not enough units for high-intensity training because in many nations, the units were occupied in this low-intensity low operations. So we have to refocus. Also an exercising on uh, those on those for example ASW exercises It is it is very important also with regard to the northern fleet where they have their capable submarines so we have to have a look um, and I w- would still say and we 're talking about transatlantic link the, the perfect organization to do to do that is is NATO and is, it, is, it is this we should not we should not create something different or coalitions of two or three or four. Let's, let's go together as we were so successful. Uh, let's reinvigorate the standing naval forces. Uh, let's go to a high intensity um, war fighting exercise, exercise again. On different scales, in order to to have those capabilities, because we are what we are facing is, I would say, meanwhile a generation of, of young uh, naval officers who have never really uh, done proper ASW. So there we are in, in, we are on the brink of losing that capability. Uh, we should do everything not to do that. That has a technological aspect. That has, but much more, a uh, training and an exercising aspect. And it has it has also a collaboration
1: uh given
0: that yes stand? please Regarding cooperation I, gonna... I think that's a very good right. example how we how we cooperate because um uh, to to maximize the, the output and to uh, to um, bring up the effect uh, effectiveness is really where, where we meet uh, uh between the nations uh, in the exercises and really put in our aims and our, our objectives for the exercises so if i can bring a, a submarine for instance for one exercise Maybe Andreas can bring a submarine for the next exercise. instead. so that's a very mm-hmm. good way of cooperation.
1: Fair to say that the information challenges are most significant, though, in these ASW yeah. or a higher end capability areas where navies tend to be most protective of their uh, information. And how, yeah. do, how do you, particularly as a partner nation, how do you um, see the ability for Finland and Sweden, in your case, to work effectively with NATO in that environment?
0: Um, well, I would say uh, during the exercises we are we are doing uh, mm-hmm. right now, I think we we exercise that uh, well, mm-hmm. not maybe Absolutely. weekly but uh, mm-hmm. monthly uh, regarding because we have always assets in the same exercises mm-hmm. today almost. So it's uh, uh, today that's uh, normal business. Uh, mm-hmm. So to say, yeah.
1: Uh, The other piece of this region that I think is easy to lose sight of if you don't live in it uh, is the degree to which it's really a littoral environment. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how uh, you are thinking about your challenges in a joint sense, if you will, the land and air components that Relate to securing the maritime, and then also the maritime components of securing the land round. Um, and uh, I'll ask the same of, of Admiral Kraus.
0: Um, re- regarding well the security, I really see the the presence uh, being out there. Uh, we we are the ones that will find the trigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, uh, if someone uh, goes goes ashore, well, then I have, I have failed, uh, so so to say. Uh, but. Uh, Uh, But, of course, it's a joint fight uh, because, well, it's not only the Navy, we have the Air Force and and also the Army, of course. Uh, But um, uh, the the fight at sea, uh, that's mostly uh, Navy and and, uh, Air Force working Mm -hmm. together. So it's it's jointness. Mm
1: -hmm. Thoughts from you?
2: I think, I think with regard to the number of forces that we have available and, and with a the, with the view on the geography, there is no doubt it is, it is a joint and combined uh, scena- scenario where we have to cooperate together, army, air force, from different navies and nations together uh, to, to really be successful in the region. It is a very, it's a very demanding scenario, maritime is very complicated, very short distances. And uh, if you recall those uh, 370 kilometers from Kaliningrad to, to, to the Swedish coastline, that also shows you um, that we are, if you would wish so, living under a constant threat. Because uh, if somebody wants to attack, he can do that. And it is, it is uh, within minutes that, that we, 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 we receive the first hit. So it is very important to, in addition to the capability to collaborate, is information sharing. And again, we are here information sharing, uh, in order to be able to assess whether to the capabilities also the will comes. Because a threat is a product of capability and will. As long as one of those two factors is zero, mm-hmm. the, the, the result is zero. So we must be very careful to really observe whether, whether the factor that we perceive currently very close to zero whether that changes, and then and then and then we have to look. I give you a personal example. When I was when I was uh, doing my job in in the, off the operation in Unifield in the on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean, there was a fact when uh, weeks before a uh, corvette from another nation was hit by a, a missile that was fired from, from the Lebanon. That missile had a range to the whole area of maritime operations uh, from from the Lebanese coast to Cyprus. So how to operate there? How to operate there for half a year under a perceived constant missile threat? If, if you take it as a given that you are permanently under threat, you are outworn within, within a couple of weeks. So you, so you have to think about that. And that was when we thought about this as formula, what, what threat means. And we said, OK, we cannot go on the battle stations each and every second in, in, in that, that situation. But you have to have a look when, when that situation changes, and then you have to be ready to react. If you do that too early, you are outworn in the moment that you are needed to react.
1: I'm going to ask one more question for both of you and, and then open it up to the audience uh, for some questions. Uh, let's talk. You started actually down this path a little bit. Let's talk specifically about the evolution on uh, Russian cruise missile capability that we are um, seeing demonstrated and or used. Um, and how wh- how you see the implications of that for the maritime security in the region that we're discussing today, roughly Norwegian Sea and um, Baltic Sea? So maybe I'll start with you.
0: Uh, well, uh, I would say uh, what I what I would like to add uh, to my um, uh, corvettes uh, mm-hmm. for the Visby class corvettes is uh, the air defense missiles. Mm-hmm. And I would like to uh, uh, include uh, in those both. Uh, Uh, the current one, and the next uh, generation, of course, uh, for that. uh, uh, We have excellent protection of the own ship uh, today, but uh, uh, it's harder to protect uh, the rest of the shipping. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's something that I would like to have.
1: Any changes in how you think we should be thinking about the operational concepts
0: Uh, in the region? Well, uh, I would say we, we uh, we all are are uh, already there, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, because we are uh, working in that environment daily. So it's, uh, 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 as I said, a uh, presence out there, uh, being able to uh, to build a threshold uh, mm-hmm. in that region together. NATO is currently working on
2: specific um, plans for, for specific regions. Um, I will not go in details. I hope for your understanding. Um, that, that is important. But I think what, one thing I would like to mention also with regard to the Baltic and the maritime, uh, there is many people who tend to forget that between the landmass of Sweden, Finland, Russia, Poland, whatever, that there is a sea in between. So, so uh, we, we should n- never forget that there, is, that there is a sea in between, and we have, to, we have to work on that. So we need a balanced mix of capabilities, yes. maritime, air, and land. And uh, in, in many cases, we are talking about battalions who are the, providing the enhanced forward presence, and that is good so. Um, but we have, we have to, to build the forces up. We can do that via land. We can also do it via, via the sea, and the Baltic, use the Baltic as a kind of runway to really bring bring uh, supply and support also to those, to those
3: countries.
1: Great. All right, we're going to open it up. Um, we have microphones that come around. When I call on you, please give uh, your name and affiliation if you have one. I do ask that you stand. Um, and please, one question that ends in a question mark. So we're going to start right here. <laughs> Hi, my name is Angelita. My question is, um, I know Russia and China have been building up their military for the past decades. And um, China has been has bullied the South China Seas and is trying to dominate the Indo-Pacific China Seas. And from what I understand, it's now targeting Caspian Seas through the Eurasian way. So what is the capability, together with the U.S. and NATO, in terms of... Preparing, encountering this, um, the Russian and China Chinese threats for global power. Maybe we'll turn to Admiral Kraus to speak as on behalf. As far as
2: yes. far oh. <laughs> uh, that's that's then yeah. it's an easy answer. Then it's an easy, okay. answer, an, an easy answer because currently China is out of out of the area of responsibility for NATO. So that is, that, is, that is clear. And uh, when, we are, when we are looking on, on, on the, the topic that we are currently discussing, it is a very congested area in, in, in the Baltic Sea. However, when I think when we, when we look uh, to what is happening in the South, South China Sea, that has to do with the obedience of the rule of the law of the seas. Uh, I think we should all make very clear what is the rule-based behavior that we all expect to happen. And much of that has to be done, I would say, on diplomatic and yep. political levels um, in order in order to avoid misunderstanding. so you, you mentioned also the rise of the forces, the rise of, of capabilities, yes, that is something that concerns us, and that is something that uh, Autocratic nation can do way faster than a democratic one. I would I would say so. And when I when I listen to my colleagues, I would say in democratic nations, many of those are complaining the same things that procurement needs too long. It needs too long. So we we have to think how to become faster. What we need for that is public support, taxpayers who are willing to give the money, yeah, for, for a long time, not only for a short time. We sometimes uh, um, I, I'm sometimes concerned that that uh, the, the long line that we were declining will not see the long line that we have to grow. That we have to grow. People are are impatient and say, "Where is the progress?" Yeah, and that may coming back to what you have read and and in, in the news also about the, the German Navy. Uh, you, you cannot expect in two years a total change of, of development if you have, if you have declined for, for, for 25 or 30 years. It takes it takes a while. There is industry that has to build up capacities. There is, of course, the money has to be there. And the Navy has to grow. By the way, we are growing. It's not easy. And if I may so, the, 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 the biggest challenge that we are currently having is the mindset of the people. Yeah? It's a mindset of the people to be more uh, willing to take risk. Yeah, we have we have created rather risk-averse and failure-unfriendly decision-making processes, so people shy away from from in many cases to take those resources. So we have long processes, and people are happy. I don't look on any. People are happy when they are stay can, can stay in the process. I would I would wish to have a bit more result-oriented. Uh, thinking, and not only not only in processes. Big ships need long processes, very complex. But not every procurement project is as complex as building a big ship.
1: Anything you want
2: well, to not, not much okay. to
1: add. Yeah. OK, very good. All right. We have one right here, second row.
2: Thank you. I'm Randy Papadopoulos. I'm the historian for the Secretary of the Navy. From both of your Navy's perspectives, Rear Admiral Newquist and uh, Vice Admiral Klauser, what would you want or what would you need from an alliance maritime strategy document that is potentially going to be written <laughs> fairly soon what would be the what would you really want to emphasize in such a publication
1: Thank you this is a golden opportunity I, I sense uh, in the in the last throes of drafting so uh, maybe I can start with you if there are any items you you recommend uh,
0: to, to operate in the Baltic or uh, coming, coming up north absolutely um, um, I would say um, uh, show presence uh, to cooperate and exercises in the region. That's a very positive um, part, definitely. Uh, and uh, um, well, that, then it's more on my wish list that uh, I will have, uh, uh, because my highest priority right now is the next generation of surface ships. Uh, that uh, is the Bispy, the continu- continuation on that one. That's my. Uh, on the wish list uh, for that, uh, that I will try to convince my politicians. I was
1: going to say, are there any items you would want the US to have in its, merit- if uh, in okay. its maritime strategy uh, development? Uh,
0: to, towards the, um, the northern yes. part? Um, well, well, I think, well, I'll hand it over to Krause first. <laughs> okay. uh, might add, uh, yeah, I might Thank add, you. Yeah. Thank you, Jens. No, no
2: I, 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 think, I think that we, It is. it is, due time to have an Alliance Maritime Strategy. We, we used to, to be prepared for the Wales Summit and thought that would be the revival of the maritime after, after decades in Afghanistan, in Iraq or whatever, so where NATO was very much focusing on, on land operations. Uh, Then we thought prior to Wales, this will be now the kickoff for the maritime. And then we had what we had in 2014 with the the annexation of Crimea and the invasion of parts of Ukraine. And again, we were land centric. So so I think think now it's it's high time to really get that changed. It is is, uh, to make clear that that, uh, NATO alliance maritime strategy, there is wet. Dimension in there, at the, and it is the ocean that that connects uh, the United States and Europe. I think it must be very clear that we need the U.S. in and for Europe yeah. uh, in order in order to really build on this cohesiveness, on this solidarity, which made us so successful for for the decades after after '49. Uh, and, and the following the following decades, um, that has to be revitalized. Um, with regard to the maritime, the maritime should refocus on high end, uh, absolutely on high end. Uh, we, we, will, I, I'm pretty much sure that we have to also in a parallel to concentrate on what real world-wise going on, and that I call it the for for European I call it the Southern Crisis Arch. That is on, on, along the North African coastline. You are aware of the migrant crisis that we are having. You are aware of the piracy issues in uh, west of nor- uh, in the Gulf of Guinea and in east in the Horn of Africa, which is we fought we fought the symptoms, but it is not gone yet. Uh, so that is something where we have to where we have to concentrate. We have to do the stabilisation operations because for us. Europeans, this is a strategic challenge. And at the same time, at the same time, concentrate on the, on the collective defense, on the high end, uh, on the ASW, and we have to do that together. Yeah.
0: And I would like to add uh, uh, the littoral environment uh, capabilities for the littoral areas, uh, definitely, uh, for that. And uh, uh, I think that's an area where we have quite, quite good knowledge as well, so thank
1: you. Okay. Right, uh, right behind, yes.
3: How you doing, Vice uh, Admiral uh, Dave Smith from uh, Dallas, Texas? Um, I read recently that the U.S. deployed four armored divisions, uh, four armored brigades to Poland. You deployed one to Eastern, I mean the, the Baltic states. Um, you go back the last 25 years. Germany's cut its defense spenders to 1%. 75% elimination of force structure. I mean, you don't seem to care about what happens to the Baltic. You know, I live in Texas, and right now today. You know, this past year, 25,000 Mexican citizens were killed in the Civil War, right? We have problems in Honduras, Salvador, Venezuela. So we have a lot of problems around the world, some of them in our backyard, that affect me far more than it affects what happens in the Baltics. So, you know, why don't you take care of your own problems?
1: So maybe the question. There was a question, or was
3: it a comment? No, question, no, it's a question. If I can, if I can you turn know. it
1: to a question, I think the question is: first of all, what is Germ- how seriously is Germany taking the challenge set around it, and how should you know what's the case for Americans to invest themselves, if you will, in the security of, of Eastern Europe?
2: Okay, I'll try. I'm not a politician, I'm, I, and I think I think uh, that the heads of state have agreed uh, on. On the recent summits to invest more, and there is two percent. It is it is a a difficult situation for a nation that, where the GDP is currently rising, and you do not see in the money that we are spending that there is a rise in the percentage to the GDP because the GDP is rising as well. So we are spending we are spending lots more money. I I think that. the, the chancellor stands with her word, but this is the, the political decision that we are making. So, um, why, why you should care about Eastern Europe? I can't answer. I can't answer that. I, I, can, I can only say what has been very successful in the last fifty years, and I, I'll tell you. I was brought up in the inner German border. And I know exactly I know exactly how people in the Baltic states feel in their small countries uh, being, uh, being threatened by, by a nation whose behavior is currently absolutely unpredictable and who have seen who have seen what has happened in the Ukraine and who, has, who have seen what has happened in, 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 in Crimea and um, you in the past have been the nation that was a reliable partner and that had said, OK, well, we come and stand for you. We stand in for you. And we had hundreds of thousands of US soldiers who were stationed on German soil who, who said, OK, and that was in that size was not battalions, it was corps that have been there, corps size units, who made sure that we are fighting together for the same values. And I think that's, it's all about that it's a fighting for the for the values uh, wherever the values are threatened and we are having a situation where we are having a, a, a president putin who might be willing to, 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 to at least he's threatening but whether he's willing to attack i don't know but i think what we should make clear and that is not the military it's a political and it's it's a, it's a value based answer, that we are a community of, of, of nations fighting for the same values and being together. And that is what I would give to you. And, and I would come to Texas and tell it to your people as well.
1: All yeah. right. Very good. And right behind him, and then we'll take one or two more. Yep.
3: Veronica Cartier. I'm in a nuclear policy community. I have a two questions, related question, on Russia. One in uh, maritime technology, known as AUV, which is Armed underwater autonomous torpedo. Would you please give the insight? Does this Russian technology has developed into unmanned torpedo, which is developed the underwater carrier to deploy torpedo? And my second question, there was a statement of Putin saying that uh, he has taken off um, the remove obstacles against uh, European Union, or would you please give confirmation of NATO of Putin's statement? That uh, EU has been removed. That was publicized by Putin. Thank you. I don't
1: you. think this is the right venue for either of those questions. I'm sorry. I don't want to. Uh, you're welcome to answer, but they're well outside the realm of these two. Uh, I think
2: I think you, I think you should them, you correct? should ask President Putin whether whether he, he, <laughs> can, he yeah. can he can he can um, um, say yes or no to that. I can't. Yeah.
3: That w- would be good. But how about the unmanned? Uh, under carrier. Are you just
1: asking if yeah. it, the, how we how they how they assess the threat?
3: Yes, of it? I think they, they have developed. Um,
1: but but what is the question? Whether the question
3: um, the AUV, which is the um, you know the uh, uh, the torpedo, has it been developed? with underwater uh, okay. carrier, which kind of, is yeah, of you know, technology either, question. Thank you.
1: Do either of okay. you want to comment on the degree to which you see veracity in the claim from the Russians that they've developed yes, this capability? Uh, I can
0: comment, but not on that. But uh, I would like to comment mm-hmm. on uh, the underwater domain and uh, development regarding uh, torpedoes. And uh, and I have no idea about uh, uh, of just that specific uh, Russian torpedo. Uh, but uh, the importance of the maritime domain with the whole spectrum, really, uh, because you often forget, uh, maybe below, uh, beneath the surface, uh, uh, that perspective. And it's a lot of developments ongoing. Absolutely. ongoing and, and the Baltic is a very good ocean to, uh, to operate uh, uh, unmanned vehicles, uh, uh, etc. I would mm-hmm. say, uh, for that. It's very hard uh, to find something. Uh, uh, below the surface uh, in the Baltic, so it's a very good um, good opportunity as well. Not okay. only a challenge, it might be an opportunity as well and for yourself. A, as, as submarines we can Absolutely, yeah. It. yeah. So it's good. We're always so felt so safe you're in, in the friendly. Baltic. You're in a
1: friendly environment here. All right, I have one towards the back. I can see your arm, but not your face, I'm sorry.
0: There you go. Hi, Morten Tastum, Center for Transatlantic Relations. My question is in regards to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that is proposed, uh, what will the potential completion of this project mean for the energy security of Europe? And in extension of that, what will it mean for the security of the Baltic navies and their ability to operate? Thank you. Well, I can start. It's already built, so it's already in place, I would say. So um, uh, and we, we operate with it daily. Uh, and that has uh, no really impact uh, um, uh, on that part. It has been a big debate in Sweden regarding uh, uh, when, it, when it was built, uh, but uh, that, uh, um, uh, that is a political um, question. So it's yeah, not, nothing really with the Navy-wise. I think you know, we, 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 North, North Stream
2: two isn't built yet, but no, it, it will be laid very close to North Stream one. And what North that is built, and, and so we are living with that for quite a while. And we were looking very carefully on our exercise areas whether that has an impact or not. And so we have been we have been in dialogue uh, in, in in the process before building uh, the, the this, those underwater um, system. Yeah.
1: Great. Okay. We can take one more question in the audience. I've got one all the way back here.
3: Thank you. I'm Steve Winters, uh, independent consultant. Uh, uh, I was just wondering um, uh, where uh, sort of research on uh, new advanced uh, technologies in relation to uh, naval warfare are taking place. I mean, in the U.S., we've a long tradition of this. Naval Research Lab in D.C. is so famous. Uh, and whether you're anticipating uh, really revolutionary changes uh, coming in the technology. I'll just give an example. Robert Work, of course, totally prominent here at the Defense Department and such, uh, said in a talk not so long ago uh, that you might have a breakthrough where you would have underwater quantum sensors, which would totally light up the oceans and nobody be able to hide at all. Now, that would That would totally flip-flop everything. So, Are are you looking forward to uh, incredible developments, and how are you preparing?
1: And I would just say maybe broadening that out just a little bit um, to, you mentioned this before, sort of the speed and innovation challenges happening right now in the West, to include in the US, maybe how you think about naval innovation more generally.
0: Well, I think uh, well, the development will be ongoing. Absolutely, uh, how we, how I'm thinking about uh, the development is that I would like to have the evolutionary uh, development uh, when, I, when thinking about building ships and submarines uh, to take care of uh, the knowledge uh, to include it as we do right now within, well, the the current submarine program where we uh, use uh, a lot of uh, uh, the new equipment will be installed in the midlife upgrade. Uh, that is ongoing uh, in the older uh, class. And that same equipment will be uh, installed, not the same, but uh, the the same equipment will be installed in the A26, in my case. Uh, And that's a lot of benefits uh, to risk mitigate, and to educate, and and everything. And I would like to do the same thing as well with the Visby class uh, system. I would like to answer a little bit more broader.
2: Keeps me awake is, is the different innovation cycles that we are having on, on, on for example, platform. When, when, we, when you build a ship, this ship will be most likely there for the next 30 or 40 years. So that is a kind of innovation of the high of the, of the heavy steel engines propeller system, and, and so that is maybe a cycle of 15, 20, 25 years. At the same time, you are having IT. That is currently an innovation cycle of, of a year, um, or one a year and a half. So I'll give you an example. The, 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 the new frigate we're going to commission this year, we started to think about and developing it two years before the first iPhone came on the market, just to give an idea. That is what we normally have for the procurement, for the first thoughts, for the, the commissioning of a ship. It's about 10 years. So this, this is something that we have to be very careful that, uh, that is a challenge to engineers uh, to create systems who are, let's say, flexible enough to take different modules in and out and still are a modern platform. That's one thing. The other thing is, of course, research is a, is a question of size. A big, a big nation can afford more research and experimentation than a smaller nation. Uh, when, when my nation builds a big ship, the first ship is a kind of experimentation platform, because we cannot afford to have, like you had, the two different types of LCSs that were that were go- going undergoing trials for a long time. The next thing on, on innovation that really is is uh, I see critical is that nations with different values have a different way of how to deal with unmanned systems. So I think we as, as, as uh, nations where, where people are still in there should never forget to have the man in the loop. But you will never know whether other nations who might not follow the same values just don't care whether there's a man in the loop. They don't care on the mess that they are, that they are creating by, by the action. And so that is, that is something that where, where we should be very, very careful. And therefore, I think it's more about that we should think about defending that. Yeah, and are against that, because that might be a challenge that we find somebody attacking us and go back to a Second World War that was the kamikaze flyers, who who were a real challenge because they did a behavior that was totally out of the, the values of thinking of morale that we are used to have. And that creates, that creates a big problem. And you can put that to higher levels. You can put that uh, to, to modern times, to research, to innovation, to technology, to, to uh, automated intelligence, and all that.
1: Uh, we are out of time. I want to thank Admiral Krauss, Admiral Nyquist. I want to remind those who are interested in the report called Contested Seas that we've recently put out. The, if you're in the room here, the URL is here. And I believe we are taking, we have a list that we've taken if you want us to email that to you. Um, I do want to thank my co author who's uh, not here today on the report, Andrew Metrick, um, and the team here standing in the back for all their help putting the event together. So please join me in a round of applause for the admirals and for the team.